there's going to come some times in your life when you encounter what Lisa and I call the massive thing, these big things that happen that you are not expecting and they throw you off, throw your life plan off onto a trajectory that you were not expecting and you never know what's going to happen after the massive thing. And maybe it's not one big thing for you. Maybe it's a series of many massive things, if you want to call them that, or maybe you've had more than one massive thing. So maybe it's not just one thing. Um, but when you when you get launched into this oblivion of, of, of unexpected turn in your life, what do you do then? And I think it really depends on your theology. Of course, theology is the study, right, the study of religious truth, the nature of God, the rational inquiry into religious questions. That's what we would call theology. Well, I think if you've got bad theology or no theology, then you're going to have a hard time dealing with the massive thing. And so we're going to talk about that today. We're going to have a good little talk about all of that. But first, we're going to give Lisa a chance to tell us the good news. Hey, are you ready to change your life? If the answer is yes, there's only one rule. You have to change your mind first. And my friend, there's a place where the neuroscience of how your mind works smashes together with faith and everything starts to make sense. That place is called self-brain surgery. You can learn it and it will help you become healthier, feel better, and be happier. And the good news is you can start today. Thanks, Lisa. Hey, so glad to have you listening today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I live in Nebraska in the United States of America with my incredible wife, Lisa, my father-in-law, Tata, and the super pups, Harvey and Lewis. I'm a neurosurgeon and an author, and I'm here to help you harness neuroscience, the power of your brain, faith, the power of your spirit, and good old common sense to help you lead a healthier, better, happier life. Listen, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind, and I'm here to help you learn the art of self-brain surgery to get it done if you like the show. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about it. If you tell two or three friends this podcast was helpful to you, imagine how much good we can all do around the world together. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I'm here to help you change your mind so you can change your life. Let's get after it. Theology is the study of the nature of God. Religious truth, the rational inquiries into religious questions, a system or school of opinions concerning God and religious questions, a course of specialized religious study usually at a college or seminary. That's the definition, the, the, the dictionary definition of theology. Now, most of us, though, we don't really go around thinking of ourselves as theologians, right? Most of my audience, I think, most of my friends who listen to my podcast probably are not uh, seminary-trained theologians. Most of us just kind of believe that we're uh, walking through this life either with a Christian faith or some sort of spiritual worldview or maybe agnostic or atheistic, and maybe we don't really think about ourselves as theologians. But I'm telling you, everybody has a theology, okay? Everybody has a theology. And if, and if your theology is bad, then you're not going to be armed with some of the tools that you might have when you encounter these massive things. Let me tell you a little story that's from my upcoming book, Hope is the First Dose. This is a story that goes back way back to two million years ago when I was at School of Aerospace Medicine in the Air Force while I was in medical school. We had to go down to Brooks Air Force Base in San Antonio, and we had to go through this uh, introductory course at the School of Aerospace Medicine, which is where flight surgeons are trained. There's two schools. You have to go through the primary course, which I did, and then there's another one to actually get your wings and become a flight surgeon that I didn't do because I went on to become a neurosurgeon, of course. But in that first school, part of what you do is you get at the end, if you pass all your tests and do everything, you end up getting to take a ride in a jet airplane with a pilot. And the first 
plane you get to take a ride in is called the T-37, and later we got to do the supersonic T-38s, but the, the T-37 was the first plane. And that airplane is unique in the Air Force. I think I've told you this story before, but that airplane is unique in the Air Force in that it does not have a rocket-powered ejection seat. That airplane has a spring-loaded ejection seat, and, and basically when you get in that uh, seat, the crew chief tells you to look between your legs, and there's a big pair of yellow handles down there. Um, when I wrote the book, I was I, I kind of forgot it. it. I said there is a handle, but the more I remember it, I finally looked it up and, and Googled it, and there's two handles. You have to put your hand, each hand on one of the handles, and you have to pull it up to basically launch that seat out of the airplane. And you have to have enough altitude because there's not a rocket, right? It's just basically a spring, so you have to have enough altitude to get the parachute to open in time for you not to crash into the ground. So the crew chief, one of the first things he tells you is, hey, don't touch that ejection seat handle unless the pilot tells you to, because if you don't have a thousand feet of altitude and you pull it, you're going to die, right? That's going to launch you up in the air and the parachute won't open and you're going to crash onto your head and die. And there's nothing anybody will be able to do about it. So keep your hands off the handle, right? Well, the massive thing that happened in our life, of course, losing our son is whatever it is in your life. It's cancer. It's a loss. It's a, a divorce. It's an infidelity. It's, it's an abuse. It's a pandemic. It's a loss of a business. It's a bankruptcy. It's whatever it might be, or it might be a series of, of those things, or it might be a series of drip, 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 kind of water torture sort of things. It might not be one thing for you, but there's going to come some point in your life when you encounter something you were not in planning on encountering and it's going to be hard and if you're not prepared for that it can really knock you out now i spent years now studying suffering grieving and, and patients that were dealing with terminal illnesses and their families and how to help them and then while i was doing that we lost our son and i became one of the people i was trying to help and then i st studied how people seem to handle there's there's four different groups of people that i noticed over time and how they respond to major challenges i wrote about that in the new book and those four groups of people I finally realized the differences between them, between the ones that, that don't ever waver, they're just sort of untouchable and they maintain their peace of mind and they deal with whatever comes along and they hold on to their faith and they don't get cast into doubt or despair. Those guys versus what I call crashers who encounter something hard, they seem pretty squared away and then all of a sudden something bad happens and they end up just plunging into the abyss and misery and alcoholism and divorce and, and, and no, no matter what happens to their recovery of their illness if they have a successful surgery and survive or, or they get over their cancer or whatever happens no matter what they end up down in this pit of despair and they're miserable and they never recover again because they've been through something so hard that it, it took them off their feet and then there's this this group called dippers that i call them dippers where they are great and then something happens and they crash a bit and then something happens and they turn around and they remember what their faith was and they remember that they have hope and they remember they have other things to live for and they recover and rally and they end up back in a pretty solid place despite the the danger of what they are despite the difficulty that they've been through and despite the outcome of their medical situation so even if they're dying of their cancer they, they find their feet again and they tell a good story with their lives and they re keep their families together and all that stuff and then there's a group i call climbers who are people who are down and out to begin with maybe didn't have any faith or had been through a series of really hard things in their whole life and they get this illness and somehow the the illness or the challenge 
creates an opportunity for them to finally say, wait a minute, I, I, my life is now limited by this disease, but but I've got other things to hope for. And they, and they find a way to find faith in those moments. And, and the challenge actually turns out to be the thing that they sort of turn their life around. And even if they die of their illness, like Joey in my book, I've seen the interview, even if they die of their illness, they end up happy and they end up okay and they end up in this peaceful place and, and their lives have a good sort of punchline to them because they've told a good story, right? Well, I started studying what is it that separates all those people and what it really is at the end of the day is your theology. It's your ability to believe that God is who he says he is. Or if you don't believe in God, it's your ability then to to, to find some way to have faith in something that, that there's still hope and there's still light and there's still some opportunity out there to find something good to think about and press forward to, even if your days of your life are limited or even if you lost the person or even if the situation didn't turn out. So so your theology then turns out to be the, the determining factor of whether you end up okay or not okay. You end up in a, a more increased peace of mind, hope, faith, abundance, all those things, or despair and misery and brokenness and pain and and all the things that go along with it. The the thing that turns that around is your theology. Now, let me tell you, let's just assume for a minute that we're going to leave the atheists and agnostics out of this conversation for a minute because they got their own challenges to figure out when when they have to find something to live for when their life is not what they thought it was going to be. So I'm talking right now specifically to you, my friend, if you do have a faith. I want to make sure that you understand how your theology is put together, because if it's not right, then you're going to struggle and suffer more than you should when you encounter a hard thing. Let me give you an example of that. If your theology has you believe that God sort of just winds this whole thing up and then sets it loose and doesn't really get involved in our lives too much like deism or or if you just sort of believe that, yeah, God may care about us, but he doesn't care about me as an individual. And, and so therefore, when something bad happens, God is either responsible for it because he's capricious and and he you know he punishes people for their sins and I'm, I'm he's i'm getting this cancer because i did that bad thing 10 years ago and god's paying me back and there's karma and we're kind of mixing eastern religion with christianity or something if that's your god or if your god is not involved at all and yeah i've got this cancer he doesn't care and i'll see you in heaven and you know, whatever happens now is kind of up to us if, if that's your theology you're going to have a hard time or if you believe that that god actively does cause things to happen to punish you or in, interfere with your life or or you know do something for somebody else's benefit that hurts you like then i've, I've seen people that have all of these beliefs Right, we had a pastor one time who we had a friend who her daughter died during a heart transplant, and then her husband died a year later, kind of of a broken heart after his little girl died. He just sat up one day in their house and fell over and died, like almost a year to the day that they lost their daughter. And this pastor said, "Well, somebody in their family must have a sin problem that's unconfessed, and there must be a generational curse on that family." That is not biblical, friend. God doesn't do that. He doesn't thump you on the head because your dad told a lie twenty years ago. He he doesn't do that. That is not scriptural, okay? He doesn't punish you for your father's sins. Now, there's some scripture that talks about how he visits iniquity on the fourth and fifth generations. And what that means, though, is that there are some generational things that hurt our kids. Like if you're an alcoholic, your kid's more likely to be an alcoholic and their kids are more likely to be an alcoholic. Or if you're abusive, your kid's more likely to be abusive and their kids are more likely to be abusive. Those are generational curses, okay? And so at some point, if you if you straighten your life up and get closer to him and solve all those problems and you have a 
good chance of God breaking that curse and, you, and it stops with you so that your child doesn't pass that bad behavior or that problem, that depression or that, that issue that you're dealing with on to the next generation because you got it squared away in your life, right? So the generational curse is not the same thing that I'm talking about when I say God doesn't punish you for your dad's or your mom's or your cousin's problems. So that's bad theology, right? So you need a theology that tells you the truth when you go through something hard. You just do. One thing that commonly I hear in patients, I commonly hear it in families who are suffering in different ways, who have lost somebody. And I heard some of our relatives say, why does God allow this to happen? Why did God do this to me? Why did God take him from me? Why, why, why? Right? So, so when we have a theology that says if something bad happens, it's because God did something to harm us. We can't find joy in that. We can't find peace in that because we can't square up a God who says he loves us and he would do everything for us with a God who would do something to us that's harmful, right? You can't square that up, and it's not. it wouldn't make sense for you to be able to. So when you, when you encounter a hard time, when life pulls the handle and the ejection seat launches you into space and everything seems impossible and there's no way for you to have enough altitude to survive, you have to have a God. You have to have a faith in a God who can open that parachute and get you down safely anyway. Or if, if the disease is going to win, you have to have a God who says, hey, I can comfort you anyway. I can help you through this. I can help you and your family make, make it through this. And even if you pass away from your illness, I can give you hope and to know that your family is going to make it, right? We have to have a theology that allows us to believe, it, believe in that, even when the massive thing comes and pulls the ejection seat handle. And I'm just going to give you a, a quick idea today that the theology that works The theology that is true and correct is the one that the Bible presents, and that is to get away from this idea that all of us have some different version of the truth or that there are multiple ways to to find God. There are multiple paths to him. What the Bible says, what Jesus said out of his own mouth in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Get that. Jesus said, I am not a way, not one of the ways, not some way. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So can you get to God some other way? Can you find a path through some other prophet? Can you can you wind your way around and find your way to God except through Jesus? Not if Jesus is telling the truth. You can't because he said, no one comes to the Father except through me. So let me make it really simple for you. If you want to have something to hold on to when life pulls the yellow handle and launches you into space because the TMT has arrived, that the massive thing has arrived, you need to know that the only hope is in Jesus, that he's got you, that he will help you, and he will offer you hope and a future. That when he says the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy and your life has felt like it's been stolen and and killed and destroyed, you need to know the next part of that sentence. Jesus says, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. You need to know that that's true and that he can pull it off. That no one comes to the Father except through him, that he's the way and the truth and the life. And then his truth, he says later, will set you free, right? You need to know that that's true. And so when you're trying to put your theology together, I would call it prehab for the self-brain surgery you're going to need to do when you encounter hard things. Put you some word in the, in your heart so you understand and can call on it and use it like a medicine, like a first aid kit when you encounter something hard, okay? So get you some theology 
that understands that there's only one way, there's only one truth, there's only one life, and it's in Jesus, okay? So when you encounter that hard thing, you need to know God is not going to lie to you. He's not going to break his promise to you. Hebrews says it plainly in Hebrews 6.16, I'm sorry, 6.18, it is impossible for God to lie. It's impossible for God to lie. And that means, my friend, if there are, in fact, multiple truths, if there are, in fact, multiple paths, like the progressive Christianity gospel would tell you nowadays, if there are more than one path, Christianity can't be one of them because it has an internal claim that God can't tell a lie and that Jesus is the only way. So if those two things are not true, then he can't be one of the paths to salvation, right? It can't be. So you need to decide. You're going to go all in with him or are you going to try to find some other truth that you find more palatable? And most of the time, that that more palatable truth is because you have some stuff going on in your life that you want to hold on to and you can't reconcile them with what the Word says, with what Jesus says. So you want to make it where the Word isn't what he says it is or what Jesus isn't who he says he is and he doesn't have the authority to give you that direction, right? So what I want you to say, what I want to tell you today is that when the ejection seat handle gets pulled and you get launched, God can and will open that parachute and help you float down safely to a, to a place where you're going to be okay regardless of the outcome of the event that's happening in your life. Regardless of the circumstance, he can help you maintain your peace of mind and your hope and your peace and find a way forward and find a way to save your family and all those things. He can because he can't tell a lie. Because he's the way, the truth, and the life. And let me give you one of the verses that I use. It's, it's Psalm 16. This is a, a Psalm of David. Psalm 16, 8. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Okay? If you have that in your prehab, first aid kit, okay? When you hit that hard thing, when the handle gets pulled and you didn't want it to, when the phone rings on the night of your child's death, when the phone rings and the doctor's calling with the report, when the phone rings and the the accountant's got bad news, when the phone rings and whatever, fill in the blank, he's not coming back, she's not coming back, whatever it is, when the phone rings, when the message occurs, when the situation develops, I will keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Okay? I'm going to get through this because he's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He's the parachute. Okay? When the handle gets pulled and you get launched and nothing's right and your world's coming apart, you need to know that that chute is going to open. You need to be able to rest in that promise because he doesn't lie to you. And that's how, my friend, when you're in the pit of despair, when you're in the the furnace of suffering, as Isaiah called it, you can, instead of continuing to fall down deeper and deeper into the pit, you can start finding some rungs on the ladder to climb back up out of that hole. And the rungs are the promises that if you know he can't tell you a lie, and you know he's the truth and he says I will work this out for your good somehow I will get up out of my chair to show you compassion I long to be gracious to you I will rise to show you compassion he says Psalm thirty four eighteen says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and you know how he's close to you it's true it turns out to be true he's going to send people to ring your doorbell and bring you food he's going to send somebody to shoot you a text message and say hey I'm thinking about you right now he's going to send somebody to go to the prayer wall and click on your prayer request and you 
you'll get an email that says, I prayed for you. When you go to w1md.com slash prayer, he's going to send somebody to help you get through that financial situation that you thought was impossible. He's going to give you an answer because you're going to use your brain. He's going to help your brain chemistry get better and you start thinking more positively and you'll think, oh, I, I think I see a way out of this situation. I think I see a way I can make this work. And you'll start to be able to rest in the midst of that storm when he says, peace be still. You'll start to be able to see possibility instead of just the pain. You'll start to be able to understand that there's hope, that there's a reason to be able to be hopeful still no matter what it is that you've gone through or are going through. No matter how many times TMT just won't leave you alone, you'll start to be able to believe that there will come a day when things will feel better again. A friend, I'm telling you, it's true. He's the way, and He's the truth, and He's the life, and that's the theology you need to have because every other one leaves you frustrated and wondering why He doesn't care or wondering why He's capricious or wondering why He won't get involved or wondering why He did what He did or wondering why you don't even think He might even be there at all. That's bad theology. You need some good theology. You need some help. You need some rest. I'm going to play you Eileen Walker, Tommy's daughter. Eileen wrote a song called Rest. Resting in his promises. I'm resting in his love for me. I'm going to play that for you now. And then we're going to go and, and we're going to be back at it tomorrow with another episode. But I need you to know that with the right theology, you can survive when the handle gets pulled. You can survive when the chute won't open. You can survive when TMT shows up, even if it's a bunch of mini TMTs or if it's one massive one or more than one massive one. You, you can make it. You can get through, but you can't change your life until you change your mind. And to do that, you got to have the right theology, friend. I want you to get some rest, and you can't do that with bad theology. And I want you to understand that the good news is you can change it, and you can start today. Oh, I'm resting in your love for me. I'm resting in your sovereignty. I'm resting in your faithful arms, oh God. Oh, I'm resting in your plans for me, that they're all for good, not to harm me. I'm resting in your promises, oh God. And I don't have to worry, no, I don't have to fear.
Hey, thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the show so you automatically get every episode. And if you like the show, you'll love my weekly letter. Check out my writing at drleewarren.substack.com, drleewarren.substack.com. Get the free newsletter every week for my best prescriptions for becoming healthier, feeling better, and being happier through the power of faith and neuroscience smashing together via self-brain surgery, drleewarren.substack.com. And if you need prayer, go to the prayer wall at wleewarrenmd.com slash prayer. The theme music for the show is Make Us One by Tommy Walker, graciously provided for free by the great folks over at tommywalkerministries.org. Check it out and consider supporting them, tommywalkerministries.org. Remember, you can't change your life until you change your mind. And the good news is you can start today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you, friend. Have a great day.